Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than the usuals that we do where we're doing a lot of Q&As, we're diving into a lot of topics um, and helping you guys in your own fitness journeys. But today, it's still going to be an educational episode, but I'm actually going to break down a few stories of myself and my own journey that I've been on over the years. And I know I get on here and, and I talk a lot about some of the high level stuff in terms of the science of your training, of your nutrition, and I help you guys break that down into simple methods to help you be able to create better results inside of your training, right? And that's what we're all about. But at the same time, I haven't always been in a position to where I just came into fitness and I knew everything that I was doing. I made a ton of mistakes when I very first started which was heck at this point over 12 years ago. It's crazy to think that it's actually been that long since I've really been on this journey, so to speak, and at it with my own fitness journey. And, and that's something for a lot of you to take as well. Um, just a little bit of background there is I remember when I very first started in training and nutrition, I was so excited to be six months in, one year in, two years in, and be to the spot where I was going to have my dream body by that point, right? And here we are 12 years later, and I'm still chasing that same body and still chasing building into whatever that goal is for myself. And I think that that's what is so cool about fitness and nutrition and your body composition is this sounds kind of cliche and everybody likes to talk about it, but really the end of the day, you have to get to a point where your happiness and your fulfillment and your gratitude really come through the journey and not the destination. Because there's been time and time again where I would say, oh, when I get to this body fat level, I'll be happy. And then you get lean and then you you realize that you have a more potential to be able to build more muscle. And then you say, oh, when I have this much muscle on my frame, plus I'm at this body fat level, then I'll be happy. And it turns into this continuous cycle of always chasing that next thing and never really finding gratitude or fulfillment in what you're doing because you're only worried about what's next, right? And what I've found through this is that at the end of the day, all that we really have when it comes to fitness and to training and nutrition and changing your body composition is the journey and realizing that it's more of a lifestyle rather than it is a destination that you're choosing. You're choosing to live a specific way that's going to come with a lot of benefit on the back end of it. But the benefit of that at the end of the day isn't just that you look a specific way. That's obviously a bonus. What we're really chasing is health. We're really chasing being able to be mobile as we get older. We're really chasing not getting sick as we get older. We're really chasing being able to live our best life possible with our bodies being an asset to us rather than our bodies being a liability. And when you can look at it from that perspective, the results, the aesthetic results that come from that are just automatic. There's something that's looked at as extra credit rather than looked at as the sole goal. And as you get further and further down the line and you start to look at this as more of a lifestyle and is more of something that you do rather than something that you're chasing. You start to build this mindset around it and the 
return off of investment that you start to create is way bigger than you could have ever imagined. And fitness actually has an opportunity to be able to be something very, very positive in your life for a very, very long time. That's why I don't love the idea of 30 day fat loss challenges or fad diets or detoxes or these different types of things. Because at the end of the day, like I said, they're not things that are going to be sustainable for you and are helping you create a lifestyle for yourself that you enjoy a tailored lifestyle when it comes to fitness that works for you. You're just trying to do extreme measures to get extreme results in a short amount of time. But at the end of the day, anything that we try to do that's extreme is never going to be sustainable. And if we're doing things that aren't sustainable, well, what's the point of it? Because if you can't sustain it, what's the point of doing the suffering to create the result if it's only going to last for a second? That's when we start yo-yo dieting. That's when we get in vicious cycles with fitness. That's when we start to resent it. That's when we start to blame our hormones. That's when we start to blame our metabolism. That's when we start to blame our age. And we end up in this vicious cycle, like I said. So that's not really the route of where I'm going in this episode today, but that's just kind of what came out as we started this podcast and, and what came to my brain. What we're actually going to talk about is like I said, the myths that I fell for when I very first got into training and nutrition myself. And again, like I said, I didn't always know everything that I was doing. I was making a lot of mistakes for a good amount of years. It cost me a good amount of progress. And so I think some of this is going to be kind of funny. It's hopefully going to be more relatable to you, um, as well as you might learn a little something because you may be falling for one of these myths at the moment, which is actually going to help you be able to start creating better results when you can get past these myths and move on to doing things in a little bit more of a proper fashion that's going to help you create a more efficient result in a more timely manner. So with that, let's just get into these. And the first one was, I remember when I very first started training for the first couple of years, I was so obsessed with having abs, right? As we all are, the abs are like the muscle group that everybody's like, I just want to have some damn abs. When I'm there, I'm going to be looking good. I'm going to be Um, my best self. I'm going to have confidence. I can take my shirt off whenever I want to and be in the very best place possible. There's nothing wrong with that. I still love it when I have abs. I don't have abs nearly as often these days as I once did back in the day because my goals anymore aren't necessarily to be super lean in terms of body fat, but more so just to be strong, be healthy and be um, in just a, a very healthy body composition more than being a very lean body composition. I've learned over the years that those are two very different things, right? Having abs doesn't correlate to health. Honestly, when we have abs, a lot of the times we're less healthy because we've been in a calorie deficit for a long time. Our body fat levels are low. Um, our hormone production is a little bit lower. Our brains are a little bit foggier. Um, just because again, our body runs off of having body fat on its frame. It needs body fat to be able to physically survive. And not only that, but to be able to physically thrive as well. And that's something that a lot of us don't rem- don't think about when it comes to having abs. That's something that's more of a short-term thing for most people that have general genetics. Some people are going to have a little bit more freaky genetics to where it's very easy for them to sustain lower levels of body fat levels um, when being natural. But for the majority of people, I think it's important to point this out. If you're a natural, just trains as something that you really like to do. It's something that's recreational for you. You do it to create a better lifestyle for yourself, a healthier lifestyle for yourself. Having the expectation that you're always going to be able to have abs is only setting yourself up for failure. Because again, like I said, it's not something that's sustainable in the long term. because generally the leaner that you get, as you get into those single level, single digit body fat levels, hormones start to downregulate, metabolism starts to downregulate, energy starts to downregulate, mental fog starts to upregulate, and it gets harder and harder to be able to sustain that. So just something to think about. But what I was doing to get abs was I was wearing ab belts. And I know you guys have seen these. They're all over TikTok. A lot of the influencers on TikTok will try to sell ab belts through um, the companies as well as 
you just see a lot of actually it's all over Instagram as well. I've seen them in, on both outlets and they're even like on YouTube ads and Facebook ads. I see them all the time, but there's two different types of ab belts. There's one ab belt that is like a shocker. So you put it on and it has like a little buzzer thing on it. You can push the button and it's, it's got like electric shock waves. So it like physically shocks your stomach. So your stomach cramps up and you have to flex your muscles on your stomach without really even doing anything. You just lay there and it cramps your stomach for you. And then there's another type of ab belt that's just simply one that you wear when you work out that helps you sweat a lot in your stomach area which claims to help you shed body fat from your stomach area faster because sweat's supposed to equal you losing more body fat, right? Which is a complete myth as well. So I have experienced both of these types of ad belts. I remember coming home every single night from high school and me and Clara, my wife now, who is my girlfriend then, would come home, we would sit on the couch, we would put, we, and we would take turns with this stupid ab belt trying to get abs, right? We would come home from school. We would turn on like a, a TV show or something. She would wear the ab belt for a little bit. And then I would wear the ab belt for a little bit. And then she would wear the ab belt for a little bit. And I would wear the ab belt for a little bit. And this would go on for months and months and months. And we would sit there and convince ourselves that this thing was working and that it was helping us create six packs, so to speak. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think that our stomachs, either of our stomachs ever really changed or improved in any sort of a way because of that stupid ab belt. Um, but yeah, that was just a funny one that I always think back on and think about just because what a, what a quick fix mentality that that is, right? And if that only worked, man, that would be amazing. If I could come home from work or come home from school back in the day, put on this electric ab belt and it would just shock my stomach that would help me grow abs so that I would be able to reveal abs. And then the second one was the ab belt that I would wear at the gym, right? I'd go to the gym, I'd put on this big old wrap that would go all around my stomach and I would go work out. I go do all my lifts. I go do all my cardio. And then when I'd get done with my session, I would come back into the locker room and take this thing off and it would just be sweaty as hell. Being honest with you, it was the, like just soaked gross. It started to stink because I would keep it in the back of my truck and I honestly wouldn't even wash it. It was absolutely nasty. But I was, I was always telling myself, okay, if I'm sweating more in my stomach area, if this thing's causing me to sweat, then obviously it's gonna help me lose more fat from my stomach area, right? So I'm gonna look leaner. And after I would take this thing off, I honestly, I would look a little bit leaner in my stomach area, but the only reason this was happening is because I was losing all of my water weight in my stomach area for a very short period of time to where I'd look a little bit leaner for just a second. And then um, as I would fill back out with fluids and whatnot, I would fill back up with water and my stomach would look the exact same. But I was convincing myself that I was looking better and better from wearing this thing. And one day I was in the locker room after my gym session, put, taking this thing off and a guy walks in and he's like, oh man, what, what happened to your back? Why are you wearing that? And I just looked at him and I was like, oh, it's actually not for my back. It actually just helps me create more sweat in my stomach. Um, so that helps me lose body fat from there. And he just like gave me this weird look like, you're really falling for that. And honestly, I was like, I, I looked at him as like, no, dude, you're the idiot because I, I've got this secret hack or secret, um, secret that you don't know about. Like, why wouldn't everybody be wearing this thing? Because it really does help your stomach, right? Like I thought he was the one that didn't know what he was talking about, but I'll never forget the look that he gave me. Just like, come on, dude, you're looking for a quick fix. And, um, that's not really how it works. But looking back at it, I can see that's what he was doing. But during the time I was the one thinking that he was an idiot and we're all ignorant to what we don't know, right? We all think that we know these little secrets or these little hacks from influencers and whatnot online and totally fine and totally understandable. But I think with time, as you get older, you get wiser, 
right? And you start to realize that there's not these quick fixes to being able to get a six pack. If you want a six pack, it comes down to getting relentlessly consistent with your diet. It comes down to relentlessly staying consistent with your training and doing it for a long period of time to drop the body fat around your stomach level so that you can actually lose like I said, the body fat around that area, and then that's when the fat comes off. But if you're trying to use an ab belt that's gonna shock your abs while you're sitting there watching TV, if you're trying to wear a belt that's going to make you sweat a bunch around your stomach, and you expect that those are the things that's gonna help you get the result that you want, then you're heavily misguided. And I was misguided as well, just because I would say that I was misinformed and I was looking for any small edge possible to create more and more results. And I don't see anything wrong with that in any sort of a way. But at the same time, I think that you have to start thinking about things a little bit more logically and just remember that the best results come with a lot of time. And when you can look at it from that perspective and you can just understand that, okay, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take longer than I want it to. I'm probably going to mess up along the way, but as long as I just stay persistent and I push through and I continue to educate myself with people who know more than I do, rather than thinking that I know everything when really I'm not the expert in this situation, then I can actually start to learn. I can develop the skills needed to start creating the result that I want. And so that's the main lesson from this is, is just that ab belts are a scam. If you have an ab belt, if you enjoy it, if you feel like you wear an ab belt when you work out and it helps you sweat around your stomach area, nothing wrong with that. At the very best, it's helping you drop a little bit of water weight in the short term, but you're going to gain that right back. Because at the end of the day, the only way to be able to drop body fat around your midsection or around your legs, around your arms or in your face, on your chest, on your back, on wherever it may be, is to be in a calorie deficit for a long enough period of time for you to be able to use that body fat on your body as energy for your body to burn throughout the day. And if you're not doing that, anything like an ab belt or any other sort of quick fix or uh, fat burner or anything like that isn't going to do a damn thing for you until you understand that simple principle that lies at the foundation. Another thing that I tried for about a six-month span was carb cycling. And it wasn't under the consumption of like tracking your caloric intake, tracking your protein intake, tracking your fat intake, tracking your carb intake. This was just under the idea of all that I needed to do was cycle my carbohydrates on a daily basis. Meaning on one day of the week, I would eat as many carbs as possible. And then in the next day of the week, I would eat zero carbs. And I would just repeat this on an every other day cycle. And somehow this was going to help me drop body fat. Again, I was completely oblivious to the understanding of thermodynamics and energy in versus energy out is how we burn body fat. I was just under the consumption that carbs are what causes fat gain, but we need to hold on to, or we need to eat enough carbohydrates to be able to fuel our training sessions. But then in the following day, if we eat zero carbohydrates, we'll lose body fat on the days that we're eating zero carbohydrates. We'll build muscle on the days where we're eating more carbohydrates because that was gonna help us fuel our training sessions. And I was gonna be able to lose body fat while building muscle at the same time and optimize both, right? Which was something that was hard to do. This was something that I read through an article or, or something online that had me going down this rabbit hole. And keep in mind, this is after I tried a keto approach. This is after I tried a paleo approach and nothing was really working for me that great. I was seeing a little bit of results because I was training hard and I was getting some newbie gains out of it, but I wasn't really creating anything sustainable. And I was definitely not very consistent with my diet over the long term. But anyway, I started doing this carb cycling idea to where I would do one day with absolutely zero carbs and I would do the next day where I would include a decent amount of carbs in every single one of my meals that I would eat. And for the first little while, it was working out okay, but what I was finding 
was that it was getting harder and harder to stay just to make it sustainable for myself, right? Because I was finding myself in social occasions to where I was trying to do the stupid carb cycling thing to where if I was going out to eat, I'd have to try to find something that didn't have any carbs in it for a day. And then the other day I could be eating carbs and my family was getting confused as to what the hell I was doing. Um, And I was just always so worried about my diet. Everything had to be perfect when it came around to my diet, right? I had to make everything fit into it. Um, I didn't care how it inconvenienced anybody else or anything like that. I was going to stick to my diet regardless, but it was definitely starting to get sustainable or unsustainable. And it was starting to, to wear on me a little bit. And there was one night that I was extremely, extremely hungry. And I had just gotten home from work. And it was one of the days that I was supposed to be on a zero, a zero carb day, right? So I was coming home from, from work and I was planning on making these turkey burgers for myself. And, um, I got home, I was really, really hungry. And back in the day, this is probably when I was like 21, 22 years old, maybe being completely honest is probably TMI, but I used to be very good friends with Mary Jane, if you guys know who that is. So I got home, stressed out, went upstairs, had a conversation with Mary Jane herself, (laughs) and then came downstairs to start cooking and came downstairs, started cooking, um, ended up in a non-sober state, so to speak, and started cooking these turkey burgers. And I made two huge turkey burgers and being completely transparent, I really don't like turkey burgers that much. I like beef. I don't like turkey burgers. They just don't have a very good flavor. There's actually zero flavor to them. Unpopular opinion, but I'm just not a very big um, ground turkey fan in any sort of a way. But again, I didn't think that I could have beef because I thought that beef was bad as well. I thought that I needed to have turkey burgers because that's what other people were having was ground turkey, the fit people on, on social media. So that's what I had to have too, right? So I cooked these turkey burgers. I'm extremely hungry. At this point, I have the munchies, I'm ready to eat, and I cook them, put them on my plate, and go to start eating them, and when you've had a conversation with Mary Jane, usually your senses are extremely heightened, right? If any of you have ever have ever smoked weed before, and again, this isn't something that I do at this point, I, I feel kind of weird bringing this up on the podcast, but it's a part of the story, so there's no way I'm not going to bring it up, um, because again, I'm an open book, I'm not going to hide anything from you guys, but anybody who has smoked weed before, you understand that um, at the end of the day, it heightens your your senses a lot, right? You, you like think into things a little bit deeper, food usually tastes really, really good, you kind of like slow down in everything that you're doing and, and kind of start to see things for more for what they are rather than just like in your normal brain where you're kind of just go, 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 if that makes sense. At least that's what it does for me. Like it slows me way down. And so I sat down with these turkey burgers after I cooked them, start eating them, and I realize just how much I actually hate eating these stupid things. Like they taste gross. I'm kind of grossed out as I'm sitting there eating it. Like what what am I doing to myself? I'm trying to eat in this fashion for what? Like is this helping me? I've been doing this for three months now. My body doesn't really look that much different. I'm not even enjoying this meal anymore. Like I'm super hungry. This just tastes like crap. Um, like what am I actually doing? Why am I sitting here going through this torture with my food, like trying to be so tedious with everything that I'm doing and, and have it be so inconvenient that I'm not even enjoying the food that I'm eating at this point. I'm just eating it because I think it's going to create this result for me. Like, is this something that I'm actually going to be able to stick with and actually going to be able to do? Like, again, I don't have any rice on the side. I don't have any bread. I have nothing. It's just these two big old turkey burgers in front of me that I have to eat by themselves with nothing else for the rest of the night because I told myself I couldn't have carbs today. Like, what goal is this actually achieving? And again, as I'm sitting there and, and I'm high, right? I'm, I'm 
I had just smoked a bunch of weed. <laughs> I kind of started to have like this, this deeper thought with it. And, and like, almost like I had like this weird, I tripped out kind of like, like just started second guessing everything, you know, like what the heck am I doing with myself? And so long story short, I got like halfway through that first Turkey burger. And I got to the point where I realized like, this is not going to work for me. Like I'm trying to do something that I absolutely hate doing. Like food is something that I should use to, I shouldn't dread eating what I'm eating. I should be able to enjoy what I'm eating to some point. And so long story short, like I kind of tripped out and came to this revelation that night that like, I have to stop trying all of these crazy diets and I have to get to a point to where I'm going to find what works best for me. That's actually sustainable that I can enjoy. And so what I did is I threw those two turkey burgers away and I grabbed a huge popcorn bowl, movie bowl of, um, out of the drawer. And I went and filled it up with a ton of cereal and, and filled it up and sat down and ate a huge, huge bowl of cereal, um, that night. And I never went back to carb cycling again because I realized it wasn't creating the result that I wanted it to. Um, it wasn't sustainable. I hated it. I didn't enjoy it. And why the hell was I even doing it in the first place? And that's a good lesson for you to think about as well. The diets that you're following, are you able to eat the, the foods that you enjoy to eat? Are you so inconvenienced by the foods that you're supposed to eat on that diet that it's not something that you see yourself being able to sustainably do six months from now, a year from now, two years, three years, five years from now? If that answer is no, the diet that you're following is wrong. And for myself, I didn't realize that because I hadn't had a coach or anything like that. I didn't really know the science of training nutrition yet. It came down to me smoking a bunch of weed. And then going downstairs to try to eat some turkey burgers that I knew I wasn't going to like when I was super hungry after a day of work to come to the realization that like trying to follow these unsustainable measures is only setting me back further in the long run. And I'm just starting to create more resentment towards nutrition, towards fat loss, towards overall health. And so you have to get to a point to where you start to really realize that, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to stop expecting results to happen so fast and find that perfect diet that's out there that's going to create me the result that I want. And I have to start focusing on creating the perfect diet for me that might create results a little bit faster. But if those results are more sustainable, those results are going to last for a whole lot longer. And at the end of the day, like I said, that's what matters most. We have to make sure the result that we're creating is a result that we're going to be able to hold on to. And if your diet isn't set up on that foundation, then I would argue that you need a new diet. All right. And the last one that set me back for a really long time that I wanted to bring up was I was under the misconception for a really long time that if I wasn't always in a calorie deficit, that I was going to gain a bunch of body fat back. And this obviously is at the point where I started to understand what calories look like, the idea behind eating less calories than what you burn, and that's how you lose body fat, given you're eating enough protein, you're strength training in the gym to preserve lean muscle tissue. And I had gotten pretty lean at this point. This was at a point in my journey to where I had created really good results, right? I was getting leaner and leaner. I actually had a six pack at this point, was pretty confident in my body composition and how I looked, but I was at a point now to where I had been in a deficit for for probably like a a nine to 12 month period, honestly. It'd been for a long time. So I was at a point to where I had been in the deficit for a good amount of time that had me extra hungry. My energy levels were coming down. My irritability levels were getting higher. And the sustainability factor of it was getting 
harder and harder, right? And at the end of the day, you're not supposed to be in a calorie deficit forever. A calorie deficit is where you go and you create the result, but we want to reverse back to a maintenance level of calories to be able to sustain that result. And that's the very important key that I was missing and hadn't learned yet. And I was so attached to the result that I had created that I was willing to do literally anything to make sure that I was staying within my calories. I was crazy about it. It didn't matter where I was at, if I was traveling, what I was doing, I was going to find a way to be able to track the calories and make sure that I was inside of my caloric limit for the day regardless. And there was one story that really sticks out to me that I remember that I was on my way to, it was around Christmas time, and we were headed to Salt Lake City, which was just a couple hours south of my hometown and on the Idaho-Utah border. And we were going down there with our family for the weekend to spend the night in a hotel and everybody's going Christmas shopping. And we were going ice skating and doing all of this fun stuff. And for dinner, everybody's plans was to get pizza from this really famous pizza place inside of Salt Lake City that's an awesome pizza place. They have amazing pizza there. And I had honestly, I'd never tried it yet before. But the family's uh, plan was to order a few pizzas from this place to um, just bring back to the hotel room and everybody could eat after we got done ice skating. But I was in a position in my life to where I was so anxiety-ridden about hitting my caloric intake perfectly that I knew that that pizza wasn't going to fit with inside of my calories for the day. And so I wasn't going to be able to have it. And so I was having, I was anxious, um, kind of annoyed, like, oh my gosh, now I'm going to have to mess up on my nutrition just to, because I'm here with my family. I just should have stayed home. And there's this crazy thing that you can start to go through when you start to, to put your body and your... Um, caloric intake and whatnot on like a higher level than you put yourself or your experience. And like, I've, I've know a lot of people who have gone through this, right? It's almost like borderline. A dis- it's almost borderline an eating disorder. And what I ended up doing, I remember I had so much anxiety about what I was going to do to make sure that I stayed right on my caloric intake for the day that I was there with my mom. And I told my mom, like, mom, I can't have that pizza. Like I want to get something else for dinner. Can't we just get something else for dinner? And she's like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's not that big of a deal. It's just one night. Like, you'll be okay. And my mom's super into fitness as well. And so she kind of gets it because she's very staunch on her nutrition. She's the only 50-year-old lady that I know that has abs year-round. She's one of those freaks of genetics that, that stays um, really lean, but she works really hard too. She's in the gym every single day. Um, she's really on point with her nutrition pretty much all of the time as well. Um, but she does it in a very sustainable manner too, in a very healthy manner. But I was at a point mentally to where this wasn't healthy for me. Right, I was so centered around making sure I could stay within my calories by any means necessary, but regardless of the circumstance that I was in, that I remember that night that I told my mom that, and I was panicking a little bit, and bless her soul, she actually took me to go to a Neater's. We walked to a Neater's about four blocks down the road, and we went there, and we both got salads for dinner rather than just staying with all of our family or my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents in the hotel room and having pizza. And looking back at that situation now, one, I really appreciate my mom for doing that. Like she probably doesn't even remember that. And I know that she listens to the podcast, so she's probably listening to this and, and reminiscing on that, probably have forgotten about the experience of us doing that and walking into that Neaters that night when everybody stayed back and ate pizza. But two, for myself, looking back, that's something that I regret big time. I allowed my nutrition to get in the way of the experience with my family. At the end of the day, if I could have chose between the two, honestly, I would have wanted the pizza, right? But I was coming from such a place of scarcity 
in terms of my nutrition and my fitness and trying to hold on to these results that I had created that I was doing, willing to do absolutely anything possible to hold on to those results. And at the end of the day, I just wasn't truly educated on what it took to sustain results in the long term because I could eat at a maintenance level of calories and still sustain the result that I had created. But I was under this misconception that I had to stay on as low as calories as I was that created the result to sustain the result when I needed just to go through a reverse diet to bring back some of that metabolic adaptation, get me eating closer to a maintenance level to, to help with some of those hunger hormones that I was dealing with. And I just didn't have the proper education. But looking back, like I said, I was so selfish and so self-absorbed in myself and making sure that my body was on point that I forgot that the whole purpose of having a healthy body was to be able to experience life from a better perspective or a better standpoint. I think that's where a lot of people mess up. I, I talk with people all the time. I actually have a lot of clients that I talk with. And um, this time of year, as COVID's starting to kind of go away a little bit more, not necessarily go away, I wouldn't say that, but it's calming down a little bit. People are getting vaccinated. A lot of people are wanting to start to go on vacations and whatnot, right? And a lot of people through COVID were um, cramped up a little bit. People weren't traveling as much. So it's a lot easier, honestly, to stay on track with your nutrition and your training because you're not doing a whole lot. You're not out for a whole lot of social occasions. There's not a whole lot going on. It's easy just to kind of become a hermit, right? And stay on track with your training and nutrition. It was good for a lot of people in terms of a fat loss. I helped some people create some of the best transformations that I've ever had throughout COVID just because of those simple factors. But at the same time, now that life's opening back up a little bit and life's getting a little bit more social again, I have a lot of clients who are worried like, I'm going on vacation next week and I'm not sure how to handle my diet. I'm going to do this and I'm not sure to handle my diet. And at the end of the day, what I try to teach them is that first, there's no right or wrong way to handle your diet when you're on a vacation. You can go, you can try to stay on point if that's what you feel like you're going to come home and feel the least amount of regret with is staying on point with your diet if that causes you a little bit of inconvenience on the vacation. But number two, if you're going to go on that vacation and if you're going to stay on point with your nutrition and it's going to hinder your experience on that vacation to have to stay on point with your nutrition and you get home and you regret staying on point because it didn't allow you to be as a present on that vacation as you wanted to, then I would argue that the smart choice is to focus more on just maintaining where you're currently at while you're on that vacation, increase your calories, give yourself more flexibility so that you're in a position that when you get home, you can just get back on and hit the ground running and continue to make progress from where you're at um, instead of focusing on having to be perfect on that vacation. One, that's going to help you be able to enjoy your time while you're there, be much more present as long as you just focus on being around a maintenance level of calories, um, even if you're not tracking it perfectly, but just decrease the amount of meals you eat per day, have a, a good high protein, low calorie breakfast and two higher calorie lunch and dinners and try to decrease the amount of snacks you have for the day and just do more walking, you're naturally going to eat around roughly around a maintenance level. You may be a little above, you may be a little bit below, but if you don't track it, it's completely fine. As you get home, your weight's going to be fluctuated within probably a couple pounds of where you were when you left. We can just get back on track and you can continue making progress. But what a lot of people will do in these situations is go into the vacation or go into the social occasion saying, I'm going to be perfect with my diet, right? And as you go and you realize that you're on that vacation or whatever it is and you're not perfect with your diet and you have a little bit of a slip up, well, now you deem yourself that you failed on your diet because you slipped up a little bit. So now it's like, oh, well, screw this. I'm just going to go all in and say screw it because I already messed up. So there's no point in trying to, to make up for it now. And then you end up overeating and binging because you deem that you did something bad, right? And then you end up at the end of the vacation 
regretting how much you ate during that vacation because you come home feeling like a, a slob because you just totally overdid it. And so I think it comes down to going into those situations with more of a proactive approach of eating closer to a maintenance level for the vacation. Just focus on maintaining the result that you have while eating a little bit more food so you get back home and we can just hit the ground running once again, right? And that's that more balanced approach that's going to allow you to be able to, to still live your life and still use fitness and nutrition as an asset and not a liability. But again, for me, I was, I was a little bit more extreme. I was willing to do anything possible during those vacations and those social occasions to stay on point that I was willing to sacrifice the experience of being able to have the pizza with my family and just enjoy the night that I forced my mom to walk with me four or five blocks down the road to go get salads at a local Neater's um, instead without being able to enjoy that time with my family. And looking back, it's something that I regret. I know it's nothing that's like a huge deal by any means and, and I'll still live without it, but I was just allowing my nutrition to control my life, right? And it was just simply because I wasn't educated enough to understand that once the result was created, I could bring calories back up to a maintenance level and I could create a better balance with my training and nutrition to know that if I overeat a little bit for one day, it's really not going to mess up my long-term progress as long as I just focus on getting back on track and continuing to be persistent rather than focusing, focusing so much on having to be perfect throughout that process. So hopefully this struck a chord for, for you and gave you a little bit of value and, and was maybe relatable in some sort of a way. And at the end of the day, we're, we all start somewhere, right? We all have misconceptions. We all start from a place of not knowing everything that we're doing, and that's okay. But you still want to make sure that the longer that you go, you don't get too stuck in your ways because I guarantee you there's a better way out there. What I'm doing now in terms of coaching, in terms of my own fitness journey, I'm still looking for better ways to optimize things, to make things more balanced in my life, to be able to go on vacations and be able to enjoy without it ruining my progress or, or find easier ways to, to drop belly fat, quote unquote, which we all know that there isn't at this point. It just comes down to simply being in a calorie deficit for a long enough period of time. But hopefully this helps. And hopefully this brings a little bit of recognition to some of these things. If you're going on vacations, don't let your diet rule you. Go into it with a proactive approach of focusing more on maintaining on the vacation or the social occasion, whatever it may be, rather than making progress so that you go into it with a realistic expectation so that you don't end up in that all or nothing mentality. Don't buy the stupid ab belts that aren't going to do a damn thing for you. Again, if, if you like to use them and you swear by them, by all means, go ahead. But realize at the end of the day, it's not the ab belt or it's not the one vacation or it's not the carb cycling or the fad diet that's creating the result. Simply comes down to being in a calorie deficit learning how to periodize your nutrition over the long term so that you're not always inside of a inside of a calorie deficit and focus on fat loss, but you're focused on overall health as well. And you're focused on making sure what you're creating is sustainable. You're following methods that you enjoy, that you can see yourself sticking with for the rest of your life. Because what we're doing here is creating a lifestyle. We're not following a diet. We're not in a 30-day challenge. We're not trying to detox our body. We're trying to learn how to use our body as an asset for the rest of our life without it becoming a liability. If you found some value from this episode, I would be greatly appreciative if you would take a screenshot, put it on your IG story, and tag me in it. That way I can send you a message back personally thanking you as well as repost it online. And if you found value from the podcast being back as a whole, 
I would greatly appreciate it if you could go down below and leave the show a star rating as well as a written review if you have a little bit of time. Again, that just helps the podcast be able to grow in terms of the Apple rankings and be able to get it out to more and more people. So like I always say, really do appreciate you guys. Have an amazing day and I'll talk with you soon. Oh, 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 oh,